This is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, on this second Sunday of Advent, St. Matthew compels us to come to grips with the great figure of John the Baptist. It's really impossible to grasp the significance of Jesus without passing through, as it were, the cleansing bath of John the Baptist. To shift the metaphor, he provides a lens through which Jesus is properly interpreted. Every detail of this account, I think, is worthy of our attention. Take some time, maybe later this afternoon, to sit down with this passage from the beginning of Matthew's Gospel and read through it in a meditative spirit. Matthew tells us that John made his appearance as a preacher in the desert of Judea. I was in the Judean desert a couple years ago filming for our Catholicism series. It was one of the most powerful places that I've been on, on these trips around the world. Something about the beauty, but also the starkness of that desert. What is it about deserts in the Bible? Moses spends years in the desert before taking up his work. Elijah sojourns in a deserted place at a crisis point in his ministry. Of course, the Israelites have to pass through the desert 40 years on the way to the promised land. Jesus himself spends 40 days and nights in the desert before beginning his public work. And of course, at the beginning of the Christian movement, monks sequester themselves in caves and primitive shelters in the desert. What is it about deserts? Well, they're places of simplicity and poverty, where everything is stripped down to the basics. Places where distractions and attachments are eliminated. And both of those are important. Because only when you eliminate distractions and attachments can you hear the voice of God. I've spoken before about Blaise Pascal, the great philosopher, who said much of our life is taken up with divertissement, diversions, distractions. We distract ourselves from the really fundamental questions. Think of all the things that we're preoccupied with. Only when those are set aside, Pascal said, do the really great questions emerge. And I've spoken to you before many times about attachments. Wealth, pleasure, power, and honor being the big four. Attachments that are accompanied by all of their avatars and priests are shouting at us, luring us, tempting us all the time. But see, what's God saying? What does God want? We have to go into a silent and deserted place in order to hear a place where the diversions and attachments are 
set aside. That's why spiritual people have an instinct for the desert. Advent for us is a kind of desert time. You see, we're preparing ourselves for the coming of Christ. That's how we have to do it. That's why we pray and we fast and we simplify our lives. Of course, it's difficult because the whole culture runs counter to us. The run-up to Christmas is a time of enormous distraction where the attachments of wealth and power and all that are put before us. We're meant to strip ourselves down during Advent. Now, what's the first thing that the prophet says as he speaks out of the desert place? Reform your lives. This word just cuts to the heart of every one of us. Why? Precisely because we all know that our lives are not where they're supposed to be. The quality of love that ought to be present in every one of us, I mean a complete, absolute, self-forgetting love, is not present. We know it. As Paul said, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all fallen into patterns of self-absorption, addiction, and attachment. And so out of the desert comes this voice. See, out of that place of, of clarification, simplification, comes this voice. Reform your lives. There might be some listening to me right now who feel that they are beyond redemption. That they can never change. They can't reform. Mm-mm. The Baptist words imply that we're never too late to change. No one is ever too far gone. No one is ever beyond the reach of God's grace. And so listen, listen. Out of the desert place comes the word reform, change. And see, we all know that if we went into the desert, honestly, we'd hear that voice welling up from deep inside of us. The word that John uses here in the Greek, same one that we find, by the way, in the lips of Jesus, metanoiate, which means literally go beyond the mind that you have. That's what reform here means. Change your attitude. Change your way of thinking. Change your way of perceiving the world. Can I suggest this? What reform here, repentance means in the most fundamental level? Stop thinking about your life as your project. Start thinking, my life is not about me. Start thinking, My life belongs to God and serves God's purposes. See, all of our diversions and attachments are subservient to the basic position that my life is about me. My life is a project of self-satisfaction. Metanoiate, change your mind, turn around, get a whole new attitude in you. The new attitude is, no, my life is not about me, it's about God. Oh, things aren't going my way. Things aren't following the career path I had mapped out. People aren't respecting me the way I think I should be respected. Who cares? See, finally, who cares? All that is trivial. Change your attitude. That's the voice that comes up out of the desert, the place of clarification. Next, Matthew tells us something absolutely extraordinary, something that would have taken the breath away from most first century Jews. 
He says, at that time, Jerusalem, all Judea, and the whole region around the Jordan were going out to him in the Jordan River as they acknowledged their sins. Now see, here's why it was so strange and why it would have taken their breath away. The entire momentum of Jewish life was toward the holy city and its temple. The temple was, in an almost literal sense, the dwelling place of God. It was the place where sacrifice was performed for the forgiveness of sins. Therefore, you see what's going on here. A sea change was taking place. An acknowledgement that something else was the case. A revolution was underway. John was luring people away from the customary place of encounter. Why, why, why? Precisely because he was communicating to them that a new and definitive place of encounter was arriving. In fact, had already arrived. Let me say it again. John was implicitly communicating that a whole new place of encounter was arriving. Indeed, had already arrived. Everything that the temple represented, forgiveness, reconciliation, union with God, instruction, judgment, all of that was now fully expressed in someone who was coming, someone whom John was announcing. And so we begin to understand some of these metaphors that John uses. Listen, I am baptizing you with water. But the one who's coming after me is mightier than I. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Water baptism was a kind of cleansing in preparation for the encounter with God. It's a way of preparing yourself. I mentioned before how in the temple you went through a mikvah bath. It was a cleansing ritual to prepare you to encounter the Lord. What John is telling us is, The one who's coming is so much more than another prophet who speaks the word of God. The one who's coming is the word of God. He's much more than a teacher who bears witness to the life of God because he is the life of God. And that's why he can dip you. That's what what baptism meant in Greek, to dip into This one can dip you into the very love of God. He can baptize you in the Holy Spirit. What he's coming to do is to fill you up, body and soul, with the divine life. Now the metaphor fire. He can set you on fire with a whole new manner of existence. You see, friends, how the rest of the gospel, culminating in the cross, is meant to show what that life looks like. The divine life lost through sin is now restored in Christ because he baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. See, and that's why they were coming out from Jerusalem to John. Because now all that they sought in the temple, they're going to find in Christ. This also prepares us for the harsh metaphors that John uses. We can take them in with greater peace and understanding. Listen. The axe lies at the root of the trees, he said. 
the Christ who's coming will indeed cut and divide and judge. Why? Why? Not because he's cruel. But when the divine life comes in, whatever is opposed to it must go out. It's just a basic matter of the physics of the soul. There is a, an expulsive quality to Christ's arrival. If he comes in, baptizing you in fire and the Holy Spirit, whatever is opposed to him must go out. That's why all the patterns of hatred and self-absorption, pettiness, egotism, violence, intolerance have to be cut down. It's not a cruel God. It's this expulsive quality of the divine grace. And then relatedly and beautifully, we hear his winnowing fan is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now, it's an image that we're not going to get right away because it's drawn from the rural life of ancient Israel. The threshing floor, the farmer would put the, the harvest of the wheat there, and then he would take a, a kind of rake, that's the, this threshing, um, uh, this winnowing fan, and he would cast it up into the air, and the wind would blow through it, and the chaff would blow away, this lighter material, while the more substantial wheat falls to the threshing floor. So it goes, listen, when the wind of the Holy Spirit blows through you and me. He blows away the chaff to be burned in the fire. But that's good news, you see, that's good news for us. To burn away all this pettiness, all this lightness, see, that we're preoccupied with. The Holy Spirit will blow that away and allow what's truly substantial in us to endure. That's what's going to happen when Christ baptizes you in fire and the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist today is preparing us out of the desert to hear this great truth. And God bless you. I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love. Father Robert Barron is combating the crisis of faith in our culture. Father Barron's expanded website can deepen your faith, give you new insights into scriptures, and help you become a better Christian. Go to wordonfire.org and tap into Father Barron's compelling videos, sermons, articles, and much more. Wordonfire.org. Connect with one of the Catholic Church's best messengers every day, everywhere.